Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society Podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is episode 32 <laughs> um, of the Jesus Society Podcast. I'm laughing a little bit because um, I think I have botched our numbers um, in all this. <clears throat> so my wife um, informed me uh, it's raining today, by the way, at our house, so you you may hear some rainfall uh, on the mic. Um, I I cannot control the weather, so it'll be okay. You've also heard uh, dogs barking and uh, mowers running and birds chirping, so this is uh, this is uh, the way it is. Um, so my wife informed me uh, this week that our uh, the episodes were m- misnumbered. <laughs> And I was trying to figure out why, and the reason is, I found out, um, the one week when I was uh, down with COVID and I did not do an episode, I put a, I actually, I actually put a, um, a, a post up, kind of like I was putting a new episode up, the way, the way it works on my, on my podcast hosting platform, I, I put a, uh, you know, a text episode, if you will, up to explain why there wasn't going to be an episode. Well, they counted that as an episode. That was episode 27. If you'll look in iTunes or wherever you go, you won't see an episode 27. But if you go to our website, the Jesus Society podcast, you'll see something there that says episode 27, and it's just a text. There's no audio file. So that technically counted as episode 27, and the next one um, would have been 28, but I didn't call it 28. Anyway, we've, we've, we've gotten off kilter. Suffice it to say that we're going to force ourselves back on kilter. So this is officially episode 32 today. It's, um, I've only done 30, this, this will be the 31st audio one. You probably don't even care about all this, right? I'm going into all this mess like you care. You probably don't care. So anyway, if you care, there's the explanation. And uh, now we can we can move on <laughs> to something maybe more useful. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, so I'm uh, I'm gearing up, by the way, um, to um, I've got some things in the works. I'm going to have start having a few more guests on the show Um and that might be next week. We'll we'll see if we can pull that off. Um, I'll just give you a little teaser for for um, the first one. If we can pull this off next week, it'll be next week. If not, it'll maybe be the week after. I've got a I've got a good good friend who is a drama professor uh, at a uh, at a, a college here, um, and we are going to get together and talk about. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, or the it's it's a series called The Chosen. Um, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. Uh, it's not on TV. You have to get it, download an app, and it's it's free. They they do ask you for a donation. And we have donated, um, and I won't give too much away, but I think it's fantastic. So um, sometime here in the next hopefully week or two. Um, my friend, uh, Brendan and I are going to get together and, uh, we're just going to kind of talk through some of the, uh, some of the issues around the, around the thing. I think it's fantastic. Uh, he does too. 
he's got a, a an eye for drama and how you pull that stuff together. So he will see things different. He will see some different things than I see as a predominantly a minister slash theologian. Um, but I think together, it's it. I think it'll be a good conversation uh, about the chosen. But before then, if you can watch it, you should watch it. You really ought to watch it. Um, and I won't say anything more uh, about that now because I end up giving too much away. And um, but that's coming up, and we're gonna. I'm gonna try to. I've got. I've got some ideas for some other guests we're gonna have if I can figure out how to make it happen. So. And if we can get it scheduled when I when I want to. Um, okay, so today I want to talk about something different, and it and it kind of grows out of, um, y- you know, this whole this whole pandemic thing has caused a lot of angst for churches. Um, a lot of churches have been closed, and um, there's just been a lot of, uh, you know, what do people do and and. How do we navigate when churches are closed and then when they open up and then they don't open up and, and all the, what about the people stuck at home that for whatever reason can't come or, um, so, so I want to talk about church in a, in a pandemic world. And this is like, this is not just pandemic stuff. Okay. I'll just say that right out front. Um, I, I'm going to tell you what we have done, which has been fabulous for us. Um, but I want, but I want to kind of, I want to kind of lead into this by, by, by talking a little bit about, and we, I've, I've teased out some of this stuff before in previous episodes, but I want to kind of talk about church and what church is. So, so I'm going to start it. I want to start it this way. So imagine for a minute that you are um, one of the, the the Christian families who in the in the early chapters of the book of Acts, you know, it says that that there was a great persecution that that uh, arose in Jerusalem uh, toward the church, and so a lot of Christians just sort of fled Jerusalem uh, because of the persecution. And they ended up in in uh, you know other parts of Palestine, uh, and 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 probably farther on after that. But but imagine, imagine, you're one of those families. You've been living in Jerusalem. You've you're you're a Christian family. You've you've participated in everything that happened in Acts two, and and Acts three. You've, you know you've had this great community, unlike anything you've ever experienced before. People are selling their stuff and giving the money to so that everybody is taken care of and there's, you know, it's, it's just this, it's this wonderful communion of, of Christian people. And then this horrible persecution breaks out and you are forced to leave with your family and you end up in a new town and you are now the, the only Christian in that town. You and your family are the only Christians in that town. If and, and you, like you know what this is supposed to feel like and look like. You know what Christian community is, you, and and now you're in this town where there isn't that. If a church is going to be formed in this community in which you now live, you're going to have to do it. So what do you do? What would that look like? How would you? How would you even start? Remember, this is the first century, not the 21st century, right? 
while you're thinking about that, also imagine, and this will be much easier for most of you, <clears throat> excuse me, that a pandemic has just hit and that churches have closed their doors for two months or three months or four months. What you going to do? How you know you just gonna quit going to church? You just gonna quit? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? In a minute, I'm gonna tell you what we did. But but first, to kind of I guess, sort of seed this just a little bit more, here's another question for you to think about: What is the smallest number? of Christians you need to have a legitimate church? Good question. What's this? How, how few people do you actually need before you can legitimately have what Jesus would consider a church? I think if you really think about it, if you if if you kind of put some things together in Scripture, I, I think it's I think it's pretty difficult to come up with any number other than two, right? Because you remember what Jesus said in Matthew eighteen verse twenty. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, "Where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am." In their midst. Two or three. Now, interestingly, a little bit of kind of history here. Jewish tradition um, taught that um, there were you, you needed ten men for a synagogue to meet, for a legitimate synagogue. Um, that was called a, a minion or what we would call a quorum, Right. There are some biblical scholars who believe that in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus was kind of defining his minion. And he says it only, only takes two. And they don't have to be men, by the way. Here, here's the problem, though, in thinking about all these questions. We live in 2020. Most of us in America, although not everyone, by the way, we have got listeners um, from South Africa, from Slovenia, from Canada, from Ireland, from Australia, from Finland. And, and, and if you're listening from any of those places, boy, I want you to know, I really want you to know how absolutely grateful um, we are that you are listening to, to us, uh, to me, um, on the Jesus Society podcast. You are, you are so important uh, to us, I'm I'm humbled and grateful that all the way around the world that we've got people uh, listening to this. Um, it's it's very humbling uh, to me. So so we are very grateful. I am extremely grateful um, for every single one of you, and I I pray for you um, and what you're um, what you're doing and following God where you are. And we would love to hear from you. I really would. Um, Anyway, I, I, I think for most of us, when we think about church, particularly in the West, particularly in America, we think of large church buildings, uh, multiple staff, uh, programs, children's ministries, stages, uh, orchestrated music, 
and on and on and on. I, I, and we cannot help it. We just can't help it. We have got such deep experiences for such a long period of time with the modern Western structure of church that we just almost can't conceive of anything else. Um, so much so that for many of us, those those things, those trappings of the modern Western church have become, in our minds, kind of the, the hallmarks of an effective and legitimate church. But again, let's, let's go back to the first century. And by the way, this is, just so you know, this is sort of my kind of litmus test for just about everything related to church. Um, you, you know, as, as soon as somebody says um, something like, you know, boy, we just, we've just got to have this or that in order to reach people or, or in order to have a vibrant church or, or whatever, as soon as I hear people say that, like the first, the knee-jerk reaction that, that kind of goes into my brain, I, I, I immediately start thinking, okay, did they need that in the first century? Well, you know, did they have to have it then in order to have a vibrant or legitimate or healthy church? And if they didn't, then I become kind of suspicious that maybe we don't need them today. And we can talk about whether some of these things are, are useful or helpful or, or not, or, or, you know, but that's a different conversation, right? But to say they're essential or mandatory, well, yeah, maybe, maybe not, particularly if they didn't have to have, to have that then. So, so how, did they, how did those Christians in the first century change the world without some of these things that we now regard as sort of essential? I think that's a good question. You may not, but I do. And it helps, I think, to kind of boil it down biblically at the outset to, to what the primary functions of, of church are, the kingdom of God. What is in this community of people that we call church that, that, that can also be called the kingdom of God, the family of God, there's several names for it in the New Testament, what are the primary functions of this collection of God's people? So I, I don't think it's stretching the truth at all to say that the smallest and simplest expression of church involves two believers. And the reason this is important for us to kind of wrap our heads around a little bit is that we just can't always count on having large corporate church entities to provide everything for us. I think in some parts of the world, maybe in some of the countries that we've mentioned a little bit ago, maybe you've never been able to count on that, right? Um, if, if for whatever reason, whatever reason, and I could think of, I can think of a, a half a dozen reasons probably why, you know, things like that might fall apart or come to an end, right? Other than a pandemic. And maybe it's temporary, maybe it's permanent. But if for whatever reason, uh, going to church, and I say that with air quotes, with all of that phrase, that that phrase implies to us, if that is suddenly unavailable to us, what do we do? And I think it helps by, by kind of thinking about on the front end, okay, what is, 
What does it take to be a legitimate, healthy, functioning church? What are the what are the core functions? Okay, so we're going to strip this down a little bit. What are the uh, two or three or four basic functions of of any healthy church? And and let's not overcomplicate this here. Okay, as you think about this, don't look at your church to answer this. Okay, look at the church of the New Testament. Let's try, to, let's try to get ourselves out of the 21st century, as hard as that is, as much as we can, okay? So look at the church in the New Testament. What are the, what are the kind of, as you look at what we see in the Gospels and in the, particularly in the letters of Paul in the book of Acts, what are the kind of core functions of the church? The first, I think, and this is my list as I look at it, you might say there's something else, I think this is the right list, but that's another conversation. The first function, though, is just basic Christian community, right? Having a, a spiritual family to walk with so that you're not all alone in this. We, we, just, we just can't do this alone. We need some others in our lives who are on the same journey we're on, right? Uh, being all alone in this is, is unhealthy, I think God designed it that way. Um, there's this verse in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, that, that says it this way. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, who can resist him? A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So we need other people. And, and I think that those, those verses in Ecclesiastes point out a couple of sort of, I don't know, a couple of things that why we need others that are, I think, valid, not just, you know, in a natural sense, but in a spiritual sense, right? Um, so two can, could, two can accomplish more than one, Right. Two people working together have a good reward for their efforts, the writer says. It's, it's synergy, right? Two people can accomplish more than either one can do on their own. Uh, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, right? Even if there are only two parts. In John 15, verse 8, Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Did you know that the word you in that verse is plural? So in the South, here where I live, we would, we would read that this way. This is to my Father's glory that y'all bear much fruit. Okay? He's talking about more than one. Like you, you, Jesus' idea seems to be that like you're going to work together to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit on your own, but there's some fruit bearing that you're going to do in partnership with other Christians, right? Also, two are better than one. Um, because they provide support and help during times of failure and difficulty. If either falls, the Ecclesiastes writer says, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. What if there's no one close enough to know what has happened in your life, to know that you need some help? What if there's no one that, that you trust enough to, to, to take your hand? The person who's alone and something happens to him may end up staying down for a long, long time. And it goes beyond 
help when we when we fall or when we fail. It's about it's about shared resources. Also, the the Ecclesiastes writer talks about two people keeping warm in the cold, uh, so that neither freezes. That's a that's an element of of communal living that that you know might have existed. It doesn't exist as much in the modern Western world for sure, where we have houses and he, heating and fireplaces and things like that. But but there's an element of communal living that that where shared resources is important. Shared skills um, are important. And we, we do that. We share resources. We share skills with one another so that the whole community is stronger. Okay, um, Paul will say it this way in Ephesians 4.16 where he talks about how in Christ the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for the building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. Okay, so so there's something about if you're functioning in, in, a, in a healthy way, you're going to contribute to the body as a whole, and that body needs you, right? Every, no, no part of the body, no Christian is indispensable or unneeded or irrelevant. That is a biblical, absolute rock-solid biblical truth, okay? We need each other because you contribute something that the body needs, needs, Okay. Well, the last thing that the Ecclesiastes writer uh, writer mentions is is defense. Right? He says, if someone overpowers one person, well, two people can resist him, and a cord of three strands is not easily broken. The, the point is, we're just stronger together, and we are in a war. We're in a spiritual war, and living the Christian life alone is an invitation to be overpowered by the enemy. So the fun- first function of a healthy church is to pro- provide basic Christian community for all those reasons uh, for the family of God. The second function, I talked more about that first one than I'm going to do the other, the other three, I think. But the section, second function of the church is discipleship. Uh, discipleship is, is, is helping to facilitate development of Christian faith and character and to promote attractive engagement with the larger world. We, we've talked about attraction uh, before, right? Um, we learn to cooperate with the Spirit in His work in transforming us and becoming, making us better followers of Jesus. And that's discipleship, right? That's the, that's the church's second core function is helping us all become better followers of Jesus. The third is service, and it grows out of discipleship. Um, as we've talked about uh, over the course of this podcast, God has always redeemed his people for the sake of the world, okay? Israel was to be a light to the nations. And as as the new Israel, as we become better followers of Jesus, Israel's king, we become better able to share his love for us with the world around us, becoming agents of blessing and light in our communities. So, so that means that we love and we serve and we give, we heal and we nurture, um, and we and we serve the needs, uh, physical and spiritual, of people around us. We lift people up. We we value justice and making sure people get treated properly, no matter what. Okay. 
And then the fourth critical function of the church is mission. Because we want everyone to come into the community of God. We want everyone to live under the reign of God because it's better for all of us. Okay? It is a better way to live. Only in the community of God do we find goodness and peace and love in relationship with our Creator. Uh, we don't, and we, and we don't, we don't um, manipulate or coerce people into the kingdom. Instead, we invite them in and we show them, we demonstrate to them by the way we live with each other and by the way we love one another that living under the reign of our loving Father is where all hope and joy and peace and love resides. That is God in, God's intent for the kingdom. And it is, it is very attractive. And we want to invite people into that because God wants to have all people as a part of that. He created us to love us, to be part of a community with him. Okay, So those are the four kind of key functions of the church as I see it in Scripture. Now, can you fulfill those things in a healthy way with just two Christians? I want to say absolutely. And understand, I'm not trying to make an argument here that church should only be two people. That's, that, is, that is not my point at all. Okay, I'm not trying to say you should only have two and if you have more than that, it's too many. It's not what I'm saying. But I am trying to help us see that even if there are only two or, or three or five or ten, you can be a thriving and vibrant community of faith and you can be all that God expects the church to be. Okay, Now, there's one caveat to all of this. And it goes back to a, a, an episode we had a while back um, where we talked about uh, spiritual parents, right? Remember that? Um, you, you can't do all of these, all four of these things, these core functions of the church, really effectively without at least one person, preferably two, being a mature spiritual parent, right? Um, Two or five or 30 or 100 immature Christians does not a healthy church make, okay? We need some spiritual parents in our lives. Um, that's, that is the way God designed all this to work, okay? Now, with all that kind of as background, I want to tell you about our experience uh, over the last six months or so. Um. And I thought about doing this. I thought about doing this episode and having this conversation several months ago, actually. But I thought, you know, before I kind of present that, there's a there's a little bit of a sense in which I'm kind of presenting this as a model that you could follow, okay? But I'm always a little always reluctant about saying this is the way. This isn't the way, right? But I wanted to I wanted to give it a little more time. Uh, and particularly when you know I and the rest of my family got COVID and we were we were out of this for a while, I wanted to make sure we got back and uh, you know I wanted to just kind of give this some time and let's see what God continued to do with it um, before I sort of announced it to the world. So when the pandemic hit um, in March, I think our our church 
like most churches uh, around the country, kind of quit meeting. And whether or not that was a good decision or a bad decision is not the point here. But it happened all across the land, right? I know there were a few churches that said, by gosh, we're going to drive a stake in the ground and we're going to keep meeting no matter what. And and there were some, you know, confrontations with the, the, the government that, uh, local governments that, that arose out of that. I, I, I don't want to talk about any of that, okay? That's not the point. But most churches, when they quit meeting in, in person, started a live stream, okay? Now, some had already been doing that, uh, doing a live stream, but there were a lot of smaller churches who had never done anything like that, and many had to learn to do it on the fly, and a lot of churches struggled mightily with that. It was, uh, I don't mean to be critical here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say some things that we've observed in some of the church's live streams. You know, some of them, like it was, it was bad. <laughs> you know, it was just a, it was mediocre. Gosh, I, this is going to sound so judgmental. I don't mean this to be judgmental, but you know, we're used to seeing things on a screen that sort of capture attention, right? And when you just put a camera on some people doing church in the way a lot of people do church, I'm not saying it's not valid or it's not good or, or help. I'm not saying that, but it just doesn't translate very well on screen when you're used to seeing things on screen. That's what I'm. That's kind of what I'm saying. I hope that makes sense. I'm not really wanting to be critical of anybody, right? I'm really not. Um, but but I I, m- I remember reading something early on that there were a lot of people. Uh, across the land, a lot of Christians who, when their church quit meeting, th- they were tuning in at home to some other church's live stream because, frankly, their live stream was just better. Their their preaching was better. Their singing was better. You know, um, a, a lot of little small churches, you know, I, I think we judge some of this stuff too harshly, right? People go into a church and Oh, well, the singing wasn't very good, or that preacher wasn't as good as, you know, so-and-so. I think we can be really nasty and judgmental about that. Um, you know, I wonder how, I wonder how we, if, if we were trying to be judgmental, I wonder how we'd judgmental we'd be in the first century. I think we'd, we might decide Paul wasn't very good as a preacher, right? That stuff, like that kind of judgmentalism where you're critiquing one stuff, that's, that's just horrible. But I say all that to say a lot of people, when they're tuning in at home, you know, and they have the, the option to live stream any church service around the country, you know, there were some numbers on all this where they said a lot, there's a lot of churches that um, they not only lost the physical attendance, but they did, they, people weren't tuning into their live streams either, right? you've got the choice sitting in your living room of streaming into anybody, who are you going to choose? You're going to find somebody that's got, you know, good preaching, interesting preaching, um, better singing probably than what you may be used to. That happened a lot, right? Um, so, so when all this happened, you know, the first couple of weeks, we were just sort of sitting at home. We were watching our church's live stream. And I wish I could say this was my idea, but, I, you know, I, I am repeatedly um, slow on the uptake and inadequate. <laughs> you know, pretty much everything I do is below average. <laughs> it's just kind of the way I am. This wasn't my idea, but 
um, a friend of ours who lives here in the same town. Um, the the church we attend is in a, in the next town up, by the way. But a, a friend of ours who who lives actually he's about he lives about ten minutes away from me. Um, I could walk there in twenty minutes. I can drive there in five. Um, he he sent out a text to some of us who who live here in this town. And he said, "How would y'all like to get together on Sunday? And we'll just you know we'll just if we're all sitting at home watching it, why don't we just sit together and watch it together?" So we started going over to their house every Sunday, and um, you know several of us he 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 certainly and and myself and and a couple others we were capable of just getting together and you know we we could gin up our own. Uh, little Bible study or conversation or whatever, but we thought, let's just watch, let's watch it, but let's watch it together, okay? Um, and um, we just we did that. So it, it, there were a couple of couple of things that that materialized in all this. We started doing this every week, and um, a couple of a couple of pieces to all this because it wasn't just it wasn't just about sitting in a living room together watching church, okay? There was a dynamic that was, some of it intentionally, some of us, some of it just happened and we didn't plan it, it just happened. But we got together every Sunday and we sat in the living room and we put the, put the live stream on the, on the TV and we started watching it. And after it was over, we talked about it. I don't know that anybody just sat down and said, "Okay, this is a this is an important thing we need to do." You know, you go to church normally, you 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 hear the sermon, you sing, you do the stuff, and then you get up and you run to the restaurant or you go home or whatever. We sat there for 20, 30, 40 minutes, maybe longer, maybe shorter, after services were done. I I do I say services in air quotes. I I I never liked that term. Anyway, I won't rant about that now. But we just, we had a conversation about the sermon. And boy, was that good. Like that developed into, like there's an ingredient there. There's something that happens in, you know, you listen to a, a good sermon and then you talk about it. And sometimes, sometimes some of that conversation is, I didn't really agree with that, right? That's okay. But there's something about being able to, 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 to converse, to discuss that, that has proved to be really, really powerful, um, formative. Um, there has been as much, I, I would say, this is just my perspective. We, we talked to the rest of the group. I don't know what everybody else would say because um, we haven't talked about this um, much. I think that was one of the most, like that little conversation piece at the end of the sermon has, for me, been one of the far and away most valuable things that has emerged out of this. And I have never experienced that. Like we, we don't do that in church. But it is, it is a, it has become a big deal to me in terms of, of how we grow and how we form each other and how we how we nurture each other in the faith and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's become a big deal. Talking about, just discussing it. And usually one of us will, will pop off with a question, right, to kind of lead the discussion. So the preacher talks about this and we say, well, what is the, 
how does that work for you? Right? And then we have a big discussion about it. And it's, it's fantastic. It is fantastic. And then after the, after the little discussion, and it's, it's just a discussion. It's not a Bible study necessarily. It's not a, you know, it's not some big complicated thing. It's just a conversation. After that, we we go to the we go move over to the to the dining room. We we all sit around a table. The ladies usually get up and start cooking. It's usually the ladies. Sometimes it's some of the men, and they're you know cooking some stuff. We all kind of bring some stuff. It's sort of like a little mini potluck, right? But we sit around the table, and before we eat, we have communion together, and we and we pray and we and we talk about the importance of Jesus and and. And what he's accomplished, we remind ourselves of how valuable Jesus' life and death and resurrection is to our continued faith. And we do that, and it, and it binds us together, I think, in a way, around that little table with just 8 or 10 or 15 of us, um, depending on the week, it binds us together in a way that's, that doesn't happen when you, you're in a church of 500 or 1,000 and you're trying to do that, okay? So, we, so we, we celebrate that together. And then we enjoy a meal. We just enjoy a meal. There's always good food. Um, and we just enjoy a meal together. It's not complicated. It's just having dinner with people that we love and talking about whatever comes up. And sometimes it's... Christian stuff, sometimes it's, you know, man, we're having plumbing problems at our house. You know, this is what we got to deal with this week or, you know, just whatever. It's, it's conversation. It's relationship building. And it's not, it is just not complicated, but it is a, it is a really important thing. And then when it's, then when, when we're done with the meal, some people leave and go because they have to, they, you know, some people have to have to go to work or they've got other responsibilities with their kids or or whatever right they've got some other stuff to do that afternoon and the rest of us just sit around and we talk um the our friends that, that whose house we go to, to to do this they've got a they've got a few acres with some uh, like on the on the side of a mountain sort of sort of thing a wooded area and we, we've taken walks in the woods in the afternoon just just talking and enjoying being out together we're just spending time together with brothers and sisters who we adore. And sometimes that lasts well into the afternoon. But it doesn't feel like an obligation. It feels like, boy, I love being with these people. I just love being with these people and, and loving them and them loving us and us having fun together and us being God's people together. So that's... That's our Sunday, every week. And um, one of the neat things about all this, a couple of the neat things, I'm going to mention three. Our relationships with each other have gotten stronger in all this by a long shot. We, we, have, we have all, I think, um, I, I'm trying not to put words in everybody else's mouth, but but I think this is true for all of us. We have, we have formed some deeper, richer relationships than many of us have had in a long time. I think that's just true because we do stuff together. It's, an experience, it's a different kind of experience. It's much, 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 much more relational 
than church usually has been for us. And so our relationships with each other have, have gotten so much stronger. They're, they're good, they're deep, they're rich, okay? We've also, this is the second kind of big takeaway from all this, we've had the opportunity to invite some other people into this kind of experience, some from other churches, and it's been neat to see some unity developing with people that, you know, when we're cloistered in our denominational alcoves, we might not, might not find some unity quite like we do. So we and and some some from that some some people we've invited into this, they don't really have any kind of church background or not much of one, and it has been a neat experience. We've there, some people that have come into this have said, oh "My gosh, this is, I've always wanted something like this. You know, this is a, boy, this is a nice way to have church, right? That experience has been mostly universal, with everybody." People come in and they experience something different. I think that's the key. You can talk about this. You can talk about different ways to do church. But until you experience it, it's, boy, it's hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine it. But nearly everybody, in fact, I, I, the only reason I'm saying nearly is because I can't, rem, you know, maybe my memory's failing. But to my memory, everybody that has, that has come into this with us has has found this to be a really nice experience um, of church and you know doing something for them that they don't normally get from church and it and it has it just I, I said this already I must say it again it has it just feels more relational and and more natural and easy than it has often felt maybe ever felt in a traditional church to the point that a lot of us have talked about this do we really even want to do we really even want to go back to traditional church this is working so well for us i think there's opportunity to do ministry to to bless people in our community in ways that we've never done before right so i think there's all kinds of potential here in all this okay so that's the description. I, I'm, I'm thrilled with all this, and I think most of us are as well. But here's, here's why I'm telling you about this today. And here's what I want you to see and why I wanted to talk about this today. Because I want you to see that anybody can do this. Any of you listening can do this. This is not rocket science. I, I, you know, in graduate school, I've spent a lot of time t- talking, um, and we've we've talked about this in some of our classes. And um, you know, if you want to plan a church, how do you do it? Well, it is a, you know, the normal way we talk about it is is a insanely complicated months months maybe years long process to try to form a team and build the team and and psychoanalyze the team and get everybody on the same page and and make plans and form plans and and and. And I know why we do that. And I'm not saying that's all bad. But this thing came together really easy. Like I th- This is something anybody can do, I think. There is simply no reason to ha- have 
been all by yourself alone in front of the TV every week wishing for the churches to open their doors again. They may open the doors and you may go back and that's fine. But I want to say, and I I know we're kind of coming to the end, hopefully, of some of this pandemic and some churches have already opened their doors and more are going to do so. But I want to say... I, I I don't want to tell you what to do. Like you and God need to sort that out. I'm not telling you what to do. But what I am saying is God has done some stuff in our little group that has been amazing to most of us. And it, it, has, it has been outstanding. And you can do this too. Let God lead you in this, okay? Let God lead you in this. But don't be afraid of this. Don't be afraid of churches not opening their doors or not opening their doors for a long time. And what are you going to do? Don't be afraid of this. Invite some people together to experience church in a different way. And if you want to use our model, use our model. This this is not rocket science. This is the most natural, easy thing. And there's a lot more I could say about all this, but... You know, we're at 45 minutes, and that's long. Um, Eddie's going to have to slow down his mowing. I always talk about Eddie and his mowing. Um, but may, if you do this, make time for conversations. Don't, don't just, don't just watch, watch church and then turn off the TV and go your way. Talk about it. Make room for relationship building and conversation. And let, let God grow you together. The kingdom of God doesn't collapse just because buildings are closed. It is my contention that the kingdom can thrive as it always has when difficulties arise. God is still God, and people can still meet and grow and serve and love. Give it a shot if you feel like God's leading you to it, and you just might be surprised at what God does through you and your little group. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. Um, As always, we'd appreciate it if you'd tell others about the podcast. Um, Please subscribe and rate and review us on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Now also available on Apple Music, uh, if that's uh, that's of interest to you. Please visit our Facebook group for the Jesus Society podcast. Just search uh, for us. And I'm sure you'll find it. Um, Feel free to suggest topics for for episodes, ask questions, share your own story. Please share your own story. How's the Father loving you and transforming you? Uh, Check out our website, thejesussociety.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, you are greatly loved.